I'd like to welcome you to the ministry of McCormick's Creek Church. We certainly hope that you will enjoy this selection. A message that has been, um, I've been looking into it for a while. This is no new, deep, spiritual stuff, but this is something that the church, this is the church's hope. This is, this is what the, the church is looking forward to. And I think sometimes we just, I, 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 you know, it's maybe just age, but I just, uh, every day that I get out of bed, I anticipate that this could be the day that the Lord will come. And I, I just, uh, I, I just, I want to preach on that here today. In fact, I'm going to title this, No Man Knoweth. No Man Knoweth. And, and by that fact, we, we have to understand that every day, every day we have anticipation. Every day there's a, a chance that he may come. Uh, I'm going to read this out of the King James and out of the Amplified. I'm just kind of enjoying the Amplified. If you don't and you, you have strong convictions against the Amplified, then just pray through it and get over it. King James, King James, Matthew 24, verse 36 says, but of that day and hour knoweth no man, no, not the angels of heaven, but my Father only. Verse 36 in the Amplified, same chapter. But of that exact day and hour, no one knows. Not even the angels of heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father. Now look at, uh, look at Matthew 25. Matthew 25 and verse 13 Watch therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour wherein the Son of Man cometh. That was King James, and in the Amplified, watch therefore, give strict attention, and be cautious and active. Look at that. Watch therefore, let's look at that again. Give strict attention and be cautious and active. I wonder what that's saying there, that active part. Could it be that you just get up every morning, do a few jumping jacks? I've got a feeling that has a little deeper meaning than that, don't you? For you know neither the day nor the hour when the Son of Man will come. Let's raise our voices to heaven right now. Father, we thank you for your word, for your blessings. God, for all that you have done for us, Lord, in our lives, Jesus, in our relationships, and our knowledge of You. And I pray here this evening that You open our minds, our understanding. God, let us just get active here, I pray. And let us worship You and bless You and honor You and see what You will do here for us this evening, I pray. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, praise God. Praise God. I'm going to do a little, a little, uh, I guess what I want to call it, old school for me. I don't do this, uh, you know, I used to do it a lot, kind of get away from it. I like to change the way I do things occasionally. Just go back and forth. I don't want you to get so bored with me that you go to sleep too much, at least not snoring or anything like that. But I, I'm going to read out of, and she, uh, he, not a she, I'm sorry. I'm used to the she's just... He didn't have this, so I'm going to read out of, uh, and we know this, and I'm going to probably come back and talk about it some more. But First Thessalonians 4, and uh, I'm going to look at uh, 
I'm going to look at verse 13 and read it, King James. But I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep, that ye sorrow not, even as others which have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them also which sleep in Jesus will God bring with him. For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them which are asleep. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, and with the voice of the archangel, and with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. So shall we ever be with the Lord. The last verse, a last verse, listen to this. Any time that someone needs comfort, you need to go back to this. Because this is the biblical way of comforting someone. Wherefore, comfort one another with the words that I just said. Life is bad. They're going to repossess the house. They're taking my horse, my cow, my wife, and my kids. You just go back and say, it doesn't matter. Jesus is coming anyhow. Now, just because I'm enjoying reading tonight, I'm going to go over to the Amplified and do the same thing. And if you're tired of sitting or standing, you can sit down. I don't care. Now, also, we would not have you ignorant, brethren, about those who fall asleep in death, that you may not grieve for them as the rest do who have no hope beyond the grave. For since we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so God will also bring with him through Jesus those who have fallen asleep in death. For this we declare to you by the Lord's own word that we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord shall in no way proceed into his presence or have any advantage at all over those who have previously fallen asleep in him in death. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a loud cry of summons. Listen to that. With the shout of an archangel and with the blast of the trumpet of God and those who have departed from this life in Christ will rise first. Then we, the living ones who remain on the earth, shall simultaneously be caught. I want you to look at verse 17. I want to read this again. For those people who preach, and we have some apostolics who preach, that our rapture is when we die. Now, how in the world can that be with this verse right here? Look at this. Then we, have, we the living ones who remain on the earth, shall simultaneously be caught up along with the resurrected dead in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so always through the eternity of the eternities, we shall be with the Lord. Now look at this last verse. Therefore, comfort and encourage one another with these words. We add a little bit there. Encourage one another. You may be seated. Look at the person next to you and say, I hope it's tonight. I hope it's tonight. Oh, and for those of you out there who say, no, I can't do it. I've got, I may get married next week or, you know, or my husband may die next week and I'll inherit 50 or 60. It doesn't matter. 50 or 60 dollars, I was going to say. If I die, that's what my wife gets, every bit of it, 50 dollars. <laughs> you know, a lot of you, I'm sure, are aware and have been probably for the last, the last year pretty close uh, of the upsurge in the news concerning the 2012 prediction of the end of the world. 
Uh, and this is, you know, I, I spoke on this once before, just uh, uh, briefly saying, you know, how this, a lot of people are looking into this. And what's interesting about this is just recently I read where an astrophysicist in NASA, he, he wrote a, a, just a brief article was written. They had, they had talked to him, and he had said that he was personally getting calls from people concerned about this. He said he had two different people. One, one was a, uh, a, was a couple of, uh, it, was, uh, it was a brother and sister or two. I, I forget what it was, brother and sister or something of this nature. Uh, and they said that they were contemplating committing suicide before this end of the world. Another one was a whole family. A mother was calling in, and she was thinking about killing her children and herself before this occurred. Now, this is, this is a condition. There is, and I've read about it. I haven't seen it, and I'm not going to. There's a, a movie, actually more than one, that's out there that depicts the end in 2012. And, of course, they, they depict it as, oh, uh, you know, it's not really the end, but a series of, of tremendous natural disasters that encompass all things that scientists have been saying about global warming, earthquakes, and other things. In the, in the end, man is able to pull himself out of all of this without God's help. Come on now. Without God's help. And all, everyone's believing that in 2012, that's the date that we, this year, should be preparing ourselves for the end of the world. Now, let's establish something here, right now, where all this hoopla is coming from. Uh, 2012 is, and what it's all about. According to an ancient civilization, the Mayans, a tribe of superstitious people who lived in what is now called the southern part of Mexico, about a thousand years ago, uh, and, you know, we are nearing the end of the world as we know it. This is what they, they, they are talking about, or what they said. The Mayans are famous because they managed to create a written language and accomplish some pretty amazing engineering marvels long before any people in the Western Hemisphere. Of course, now, I just want you to know, everybody talks about all the marvels of the Mayans and how they were able to create all of this. But what most people don't remember is all of these things that they accomplished was accomplished thousands of years before in Israel and in Egypt and the Eastern Hemisphere. So they didn't create anything that hadn't already been done. Come on now. The interest in the Mayan calendar and the fact that so many people are concerned over what the Mayans had to say is baffling when you consider that the prophecies of the Word of God existed in Hebrew and Greek scrolls many centuries before the Mayan calendar or even the Mayan civilization reached its potential. Yet man would rather believe something that man has figured out rather than believe the Word of God. Come on, I've got this. It's called the Word of God. I've got something that I can stand on, something that has never been wrong and never proven to be wrong. I desire my will. I will believe this ten times over anything that man has to say, whether it's a Mayan civilization or any other civilization. Come on, let's get happy about what we got. We got the truth, and nobody can take the truth from us. That truth that set me free, and whom he has set free is free indeed. I walk in freedom, I walk in liberty. You walk in freedom, and you walk in liberty. Come on. My God. According to the Mayan calendar, which is confusing, contradictory, and requires as many hours of study to interpret, the sun and the moon and the planets 
will all come into perfect alignment of some sort and will trigger some ethereal cosmic energy that will mark the dawning of a new day for mankind. All right? I am here in this place in one county within the boundaries of the walls of McCormick Street Church within the hearing of a great group of people are ten times smarter than any Mayan warrior. Okay? I am here to tell you that every day is a new day for mankind. And the power and energy that brings the day forward is that wonderful, blessed, awesome, if you want to use it, power of God and the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. I don't need some kind of Mayan priest to cut the head off a chicken or throw a set of bones or stare at the sun for hours to tell me that all I have to do is open the Word of God. And guess what? I know what I'm supposed to do. I know when my Lord is going to come. I know that He's going to take care of me. I may not know the day or the hour, but I know He's going to do it. Oh, my God. <laughs> my Lord, I feel so good. My back's not even hurting. I'm going to stay with this now for a while. In the beginning, God created the earth. He brought forth the sun and the moon and created day and night. And He started the cycle of seasons, months, years. That is continued to this day. After creating all things, God said in Genesis 8.22, He said, While the earth remaineth seed time and harvest and cold and heat and summer and winter and day and night shall not cease. That's what He said. So it, so it isn't some great mystery to know that should the earth remain tomorrow, guess what? The sun's going to come up. The sun's going to come up. But the Mayans never read the Bible, and so they had to rely only on what they could see of the natural world around them to try to interpret the future. And since they were uh, much into astrology, forms of astrology and astronomy, they began to develop a whole system of life, of worship based on the positions of the stars and the planets at given times of the year. And that's how they established their calendar for planting, harvesting, and daily life. They noticed things like the eclipses and how the moon and the star alignments would change with the passing of the night all during their year. Now some of them sat gazing for months on end, didn't have anything else to do. Kind of like people when they watch television. Months on you know, drooling, football games, double drooling, soap operas, triple drooling. Women triple drool over soap operas. Men double drool over football games. I didn't get much response on that. Did you notice? <laughs> So that's what they did. They sat and they drooled and looked up into the constellations. And they noticed all these changes in the, in the, in the, in the patterns and stars moved across the sky. 
Now, God has laid them out in specific patterns that show the story of the coming of the Messiah and of the kingdom of God. Now, Psalm 191 and 4 says, The heavens declare the glory of God, and the firmament showeth his handiwork. Day unto day uttereth speech, and night unto night showeth knowledge. Now, notice this. There is no speech nor language where the voice is not heard. Their line is gone, and through all the earth and all their words to the end of the world. In them hath he set a tabernacle for the sun. Okay, now notice this. Now... Several years ago, they came out. I didn't really get into it too much, but some of you, I think, probably have looked into it where they were talking about the constellations and how a lot of the constellations, the movement of the stars and so forth, uh, kind of opened up. Someone interpreted this to uh, somehow align with the Word of God at particular months and so forth, at particular verses of Scripture, all this stuff. I didn't look into it because I've heard so much of that stuff through the years. Somebody has got more time on their hand than they need. And so they try to make all this stuff agree. God created it. Okay? It's there. You get out in the night, you can see all those stars, and you go, oh, it's a wonderful, beautiful thing. You see the sun in the morning and the beauty of it setting and the beauty of it coming up. It's a wonderful thing. I don't have to know anything else. I don't have to know anything else. So what they did is uh, these minds, they, they began to look into it in this manner, and, and it got a wig beyond astronomy. It got into to astrology and to occultism. In fact, you can take and trace this all the way back to the Tower of Babel where astrology actually originated. It all started right there. And so we see some of the religions that we have as a result of what Nimrod, Semiramis, uh, and, and uh, I forget his last name. I, I, anyway, the first trinity. They, they, what they did at this time, we got all of our religions throughout the world that came from one place. So it shouldn't, it shouldn't hurt. We should be able to understand why the Mayans did what they did. They just simply historically continued on what went all the way back to the Tower of Babel. And it all began with demonic influence. That's where you get the occult. And that occult is still prevalent today. Listen, folks, you've got all this green movement out there. And I'm not, I'm not against doing some nice things and trying to preserve this and preserve that. I'm not against that. But when it comes to worshiping the pan god, I do have some problems with it. When you don't want someone to cut a tree because you feel like it's going to destroy something and you put a, a, a person's livelihood on the line, there's something wrong with your way of thinking. One thing we will always say, and I always will believe, and every one of us should the same, it's people first. I hate to put some little squirrel out of his tree. Talking about squirrels. I read this thing today. Now, get this. There was an apartment complex caught on fire because some guy, you heard, read that? Some guy was trying to cook a squirrel with a propane torch. Now, what's worse is he was burning the hair off that squirrel with a propane torch. Didn't say if the squirrel was alive or dead. I don't know. Maybe. Probably the squirrel got on fire and took off. You know, and that's. There was a song written about that one time. You remember that? Squirrel in church. (laughs) There really was. There really was. <laughs> you know, there again, we go back. And the problem is that astrology and occultism have changed the message to be something that it was never intended to be. We're not to base our lives on the alignment of the planets and the stars. We are to base our lives on the Word of God and our Lord Jesus Christ alone. The power that controls my life and yours is not found in the stars, but in the hand of God. I don't look. 
look up to the stars to figure out what God's going to do in my life. I know every day that my God is well in control and He continues to guide my footsteps just like He does anybody that is born again of the water and the Spirit. Oh, are you with me tonight? Come on. Aren't you glad you know Him? Aren't you glad He changed your life? Aren't you glad you are not caught up in all the mythology and the cultural stuff that some of these people are caught up in? God. So these minds who didn't have televisions to drool over somehow figured out long mathematical calculations and then formed predictions based on how the stars would be aligned on a certain dates far into the future, even beyond the very existence of their own civilization. Now follow me. My question is this, that if the Mayans were so smart and they knew how to predict the future. Why didn't they figure out that they would sometime become extinct and then try to stop it from happening? They eventually were destroyed by the Spanish, either through wars or through the new diseases that the Spanish brought that wiped out entire villages. The Mayan calendar was discovered among the ruins of their civilization. And many people have dedicated their whole life into learning what it had to say. And one of their great discoveries was that the entire calendar was created to be an ancient clock counting down the days until it reached a zero hour when all the planets would be in perfect position to cause the end of the world and the beginning of a new one. The date and the time the Mayan calendar comes to an end is very precise. It marks the end of the world as Friday, December 21st, 2012. Just a month and a few weeks away. At 11th hour, 11 minutes and 11 seconds. 11, 11, 11 a.m. coordinated universal time. Now, which is the time established universally according to the atomic clock at Fort Collins, Colorado? So at exactly that time, I'm going to get me an atomic clock. I will be waiting with bated breath to see if all this happens. And I waited with bated breath in 88, and it never happened. In fact, I preached against that just like I'm preaching against this. Okay? And I told people, even though we had people come to God and stayed with God. The problem with you, if you're in here and you're thinking, I've got to get my heart right with God because December 21st is coming up real fast. That's okay. Come on down. We can take care of that. But if He doesn't come, continue to live for God because He may come one minute later. The whole world is watching and wondering if this could really be the day. Did the Mayans know something that we don't know? Could they have been intelligent enough to figure out God's timetable? Could they be right? The answer, of course, is the thing that could be right. The world could end on December 21st, 2012, at least for some of us. <laughs> okay? 
But if it but if it does, it will be purely coincidental because I don't believe that they were smart enough to figure God out. And according the Bible, their timetable is according to the Bible. Their timetable is all wrong. All right, as Jesus said upon the Mount of Olives one day. You know, I, I, I've looked at that scripture over and over and over again, 24th chapter. Uh, you know, the, the, the apostles were, he'd been teaching on, on, on his second coming and been talking to them. And, and they, they, they talked about the greatness of God. And the apostles looked at Jesus and they pointed at the temple. And they, they, you know, to them, the temple was the greatest religious monument that there could ever possibly be. And, you know, you're, you're talking, Jesus, all this stuff. And look, look what we've done. Look what man has done. Look what our people have done. And Jesus looked at it, and I can almost see him shaking his head, saying, you know, you, you're looking at that, and not one stone is going to be left unturned on that thing. I mean, he told them, that's what's going to happen. He said, that's all going to stop. Everything's going to end. Everything, folks, that you see around you, one day is not going to be here. This building is going to cease to exist one day. We are going to cease to exist one day. Everything we've built is going to cease to exist. I don't care how grand your home is. I don't care how much land that you have. Everything is going to cease to exist. So on that day teaching, the crowd that gathered to hear and the disciples came to him and wanted to know, he said, what the signs of the end would be. And Jesus gave them the signs. But he said this in Matthew twenty four thirty six. But of the day, hour knoweth no man, no, not the angels of heaven. He said, but my Father only. He said, that is the only one. In Matthew twenty five thirteen, watch therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour when the Son of Man cometh. From the words of Jesus, it is clear that no man can predict the end of the world. Follow me. Not even those wonderful minds. God is no respecter of persons, and He won't tell any man anything that He would hold secret from another. Now, He did say He'd tell His prophets, and I just don't believe those minds were God's prophets. Come on now, hear me. I, he just won't do that. So I believe that, that we can disregard anything that some ancient Mayan calendar has to say about the end of the world. We need to hear what the Word of God says. That's all we need to understand. That's all we need to know. Nostradamus was constantly predicting this and that over and over and over again. And the majority of his predictions never came to pass. He predicted the end of the world. If I'm not mistaken, I haven't studied it recently. But he predicted the end of the world. It didn't end. The 88 reasons the Lord will come in 1988, it didn't stop. The Lord didn't come. Listen, if we don't raise our voices, people are going to be taken into deceit. And then when it doesn't happen, their faith is going to be attacked. I want you to know about the coming of the Lord. I'm going to tell you exactly when He's going to come. And the word is He can come anytime. Any time. Five minutes from now, 30 seconds from now, 15 seconds from now, 50 years from now. Nobody can predict it. The important thing to remember is that the end of the world is coming. And for many of us, the end of our days on this planet may come long before the end of the world itself. Every day there are thousands of people around the world whose world comes to an end. Their days are ended and they will leave this world to face an eternal reward. And that reward, my friend, may not be the one that they want. You hear me. 
You hear me, you look at me, you think I may be living in the Stone Age. I will tell you this, Jesus is coming. There is a heaven and there is a hell. And if you are not ready to meet the Lord, you will go to hell. Because hell tells me there has to be a heaven. Heaven tells me there has to be a hell. We should not concern ourselves with any date that man, uh, that man may set for the end of the world. For any date that we set, how, however we set it, is against the Word of God. We don't need to worry about dates. We need to be concerned with getting our hearts in the right place with Jesus Christ and being ready all the time so that when the end comes for each of us, we will be ready to meet the Lord. And if it's by the rapture or by just death individually, I want to be ready. I don't want to walk around eternally insecure. I don't believe in eternal security, but nor do I believe in eternal insecurity. I want to know I can be ready. I can't live for God. I can't worship. I can't pray. I can make it to heaven. You can make it to heaven. Oh, come on. Are you with me? Do you believe that? Oh, let's worship the Lord for a while. Let's let Him know. I want to be ready and I will be ready. Hallelujah. Let me give you a brief rundown on what the timetable for the end of the world is really like. It's all given to us in God's Word. And lately we've been studying, and I have the, the, a lot in the book of Revelation. Looking into it, I've done studies on it in the past in the church. And I don't get all caught up in it too much because I think sometimes we can put too much emphasis on the book of Revelation. But I, I like to ever so often go back and just renew some things in my spirit the next thing though on the agenda of god's prophetic calendar concerning the end of the world if you're here and you're not ready to meet the lord i want you to know this is what will happen because the next thing that you will see is what we call the rapture of the church now the bible doesn't say it's a rapture the word never appears but what the bible does say is that there will be a great catching away and if you're not ready to meet the Lord, that that catching away can occur. That's the next thing on God's table. And, you know, you may come here on some Sunday night, decide to visit church, and there's nobody here. And if that's happened and nobody's here, unless we happen to cancel church and you didn't know, and that might put you at the altar. If it does, that's a good thing. Okay? But if it does happen, you will know that the rapture has taken place and uh, you're in trouble. You're in big trouble. And if you're saying you're trying to scare me, I don't care what you think. If I can scare you into doing something that is right, then so be it. The next thing that is going to happen is the catching away or the rapture of the church. And we need to be ready for that. So that is the next thing. It's going to be the great catching away. And I read this to you earlier in 1 Thessalonians 4, 16 and 17. For the Lord Himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trump of God. And you know, I always look at this. I said, He the Lord Himself shall descend from heaven with a shout. And, me, and, and there's, a, there's, a, there's a comma there. Because the shout, you know, you can believe what you want, but to me, it's God shouting. Because it's a summons. And it said, then the voice of the archangel. It's an echo. He's echoing what the summons was. And then God sounds the trumpet. Not an angel. It's the trump of God. 
And He's going to sound that thing good and long and loud. And every person that's filled with His Spirit is going to hear it. And there's going to change that's going to take place. We are going to have a body likened unto His glorious body. And we're going to feel gravity begin to let go of us. And we're going to begin to ascend into the heavens. And we're going to forever be with the Lord. Oh, my friend, every time I hear it, there's a comfort that begins to take a hold of me. Oh, it's going to happen. It can happen now. It can happen in a few minutes. It's going to happen. My God. My God. On that day, when that happens, hear me, the world will come to an end for every born again, washed in the blood, child of God. That's when our world will end. You know, for over 30 years I've been anticipating this. 30 years. And you know, I feel just the same about it now as the day that I got up after talking in tongues. I, I feel the same. It just thrills me, the thought. I've always wanted to fly, and I knew I'd never make it a Superman. So no, I will have a chance to fly one day. And I don't want to fly in an airplane. I don't, that, that's no fun. I want to just shoot out of here like a rocket. Ooh, come on. Get a little excited about this. Say, but my kids are not ready. Well, get them ready! What a, I, I mean, you've heard this time, but you ever, can you imagine? I always go through this in imagining the turmoil and how people are going to try to explain this away. I mean, that, that's going to give the Antichrist a chance to step right onto the scene because he's going to have an explanation. You know, that's why he's going to have, you know, the, uh, the, the terrorists have, have taken all the church people, you know. They've come up with some kind of secret weapon and they've, they've lasered them away. And they're all going to be over there. And you're going to have to pay a big sum of money for it. And for those of you that missed the rapture and you're still sitting here, if somebody tells you you've got to pay a sum of money for me, don't pay it. It's going to come in for us. We're going to, it's going to be a day that could be today, could be tomorrow, any day now. That's, that's, that's what we need to be watching for, the rapture, the catching away of the church. And we need to be listening for the sound of the trumpet as we are called away to leave this old sinful world behind. I, I don't know when that day or that hour shall be, but it could very well long before December 21st. I mean, it's not that long till we get there, but it could be a few weeks, a few seconds, whatever it may be. It could, it could be before then. It could happen on the very moment that the mind said but if it does it'll be one in a billion chance that's how i see it what about the real end of the world when will that come and again i say that we can't set a date but we can see the signs of the end happening all around us every day god's word concerning the signs of these days reads like a daily newspaper and you can look at the newspaper and you can see it america is more divided now than it's ever been in history outside of the civil war And I'm telling you, it wouldn't take a great deal in our country right now to create a brand new civil war. And I've always believed that somehow our country would have to fall apart 
before we, you know, before certain things will ever really happen. I think we'll have to be. They're not going to destroy us from the outside, but we're going to destroy ourselves from the inside. And I believe that's going to occur. And I believe it will happen after the rapture of the church. I believe that will be the catalyst that will cause some things to take place. I, I, I've always believed that in my heart. No, I can't prove it. But I'm saying that if you look at the condition of everything, and I don't care what you say and how long you've been around, how long you've served God, you have never seen it like it is right now. You've never seen it like it is. And what we're accepting, same-sex marriages... And when they, and you can't say the wrong thing anymore. It's already if you preach against homosexuality in in in, uh, in Canada, you're thrown in jail. It's going to happen here. There are already some of the things that have taken place. I can't even imagine. I can't believe it. Some of the things that you are sending your kids to, the teachers that they have in school, you know, that openly profess this. I couldn't deal with it. I'm too old to deal with it. I know too much on the other side. I could not deal with it. I would be in trouble. I want them to be saved. I don't have anything. I'm not judging them harshly. But I'm telling you, the Bible says that it's an abomination. And we might as well understand that. That's just one thing that our society is allowing. What did Jesus say? He said, when you see these things occurring, Look up, he said, for your redemption is nigh. You know, it's... And, and, and the, just take that a little further. Now learn the parable of the fig tree. When his branch is yet tender and put the forth leaves, you know that summer is nigh. So likewise ye, when ye shall see all these things, know that it is near even at the door. And just as we can walk outside right now, and, and, and well, not right now, but in the spring, and see that the trees have put on new leaves and, and pollen fills the air, we know that spring has come. And that summer is just around the corner. On our calendars, we can also examine the daily news and know that the coming of the Lord is upon us. Only someone who is blind or refuses to see the truth could possibly be caught unaware. There is no reason to be unaware. We have a whole generation of children that are coming up that see absolutely no hope in their future. There's no jobs, there's no factories, there's no nothing, there's no place to work. And even if they go to college, there's no guarantee they're going to get anything. But I want to tell every young person here, in Jesus Christ, there's always a guarantee that He will never, you will never leave the righteous. He will not see them forsaken, nor their seed begging bread. There's a promise that God will always take care of you. You will always have what you need. No, he's coming and he's ready, and and, and he's coming and ready for uh, for, for we rather let me get it we, we need to be ready for Jesus coming. And there's no way that anyone is, any one of us that is in here tonight should miss the coming of the Lord. There is no excuse. You've heard enough already to get you to the place where you need to be to make it in the rapture of the church. The very first step. And God's prophetic clock toward the end of time has already taken place. That was the date in 1948 when Israel became a nation. And once again, after nearly 2,000 years of being dispersed among the Gentile nations, 2,000 years they were dispersed among the Gentile nations. It was impossible. Books were written about the disappearing Jew before 1948. And all of a sudden, 1948, just 800,000 Jews came out, whipped about 3 or to 5 million Arabs, and they became a nation. 
The next tick of God's time clock will be the rapture of the church. After that, there will be a short period of time, perhaps a few days or a few months, just how long we don't know for sure before the Antichrist rises to power. From the time that he comes to power, you can set your clock because within the next seven years, it all comes crashing down. And the earth, as it is today, is going to be changed. Music comes. The earth, as it is today, is going to be changed. It's not hard for anybody in here to believe in the mark of the beast. Technology is present. It's been that way for some time. You know, back when I first came into church and people before me, they couldn't quite grasp the 666 business on the forehead or on the right hand. And they couldn't quite grasp that and how it could happen. Now, we, it's nothing at all for us to understand how that can happen. It is not even, it's not even a question anymore. And sadly to say, so many of us have, have been around it for so long that we, we almost have forgotten what it means. We've almost forgotten that what that technology really should mean to each and every one of us. That the possibility of having it sneak up on you, if you would, and you can take the mark of the beast is right there. Now, I personally believe before it's ever forced that we'll be out of here. But the fact remains that it's already, you can already have some things done. Let me just say this. If you truly want to make heaven your home, you must make some preparations now. If you want to miss what's coming on this earth, you need to make preparations now. Jesus may come November 1st, 2012. He could even come on October 31st, 2012. I think that'd be a great time for him to come. This when all those witches and devils are out there trying to think that everything's going their way. You say, my goodness, Brother Roberts, you sound mean. You know, I don't feel mean. I feel like we need to face evil the way evil is. And it is so prevalent today. And so many people are so steeped in it. Your minds are clouded with everything that's around you. Peer pressure has clogged your mind. And you feel like you've got to be like everyone else, but something deep inside your heart tells you, I, I, this can't be right. There's got to be something greater in life than this. Stand with me. Never rely on anyone who sets a date for God's prophetic end of the world to come. No man knows and no man ever will. But we do know that today is coming soon. This altar's open. Please, please, make yourself ready. Please make yourself ready. Stay ready. Stay ready. Then when Jesus does come, you will begin your first day in a whole brand new world. And that's what really matters. Nothing else matters. Brother Ed McFall was having his Sunday school class write some reports. And uh, Eric called me and asked me the question that Ed asked him. Why do you 
Why do you serve the Lord? What's your reasons for serving the Lord? It wasn't even a second in my mind. It wasn't even a question. I didn't have to ponder. And if anybody disagrees, I don't care. I told him, I said, I serve God so that I can make it to heaven and forever be with Him. That's first. That's first. And there's a lot of other reasons, yes, but number one, I want to be ready. I want my children to be ready. I want my grandchildren to be ready. Stay ready. Let me just ask you, do you really know Jesus today? Sure, you, you've heard His name and you, you've heard people pray around you and you've been to churches before and you've heard all kinds of things. You've heard services when they didn't do nearly what we did here tonight, tonight and, and you wondered about the deadness of the service, but you're here tonight and you feel something different. And now you have, a, you have a real opportunity to know who Jesus is and, and to have Him to be the true Lord of your life. And let me just ask you again, have you truly been born again? Maybe you stood up before someone and said you, you accept Jesus Christ, your personal Savior. But you know what that means? That means that you're going to do everything that He asks you to do. And what He asks you to do is this. He asks you to be born again of the water and the Spirit. Have you received the baptism of the Holy Ghost? Have you spoken a heavenly language as a result of the incoming Spirit of God? Have you been washed in the waters of baptism in the name of Jesus? Because there's none other name under heaven given among men whereby you must be saved. Let me ask you that question. There's more to serving God than just standing up and making a profession. Because only through the name can your sins truly be remitted. And that happens in water baptism. And you know, you can do that right now. Right now. This evening. Tonight. And if you do that tonight and God fills you with the Holy Ghost, you don't have to worry about 2012 or any other date. You can be ready for the second coming of Jesus and the end of the world all the time. That's the greatest gift when I received the Holy Ghost was that peace of mind that I finally received. I hadn't had peace of mind for a long time. I knew, I, I, I knew better and I knew every night that I went to bed, I, if the Lord came, I was going to be lost. I was going to go to hell and I knew it. But when I, I came to God and I spoke in that wonderful heavenly language, I walked away that night knowing that if Jesus came, I was going to be ready. Sleep was a whole lot different after that. Life was a whole lot different after that. Everything that I did was a whole lot different. And all I want, all I want to see and have throughout all my ministry is to see one more person, just one more person, have the wonderful gift that God has given me and so many others that are in here this evening. I want to see someone have that same hope and to see their eyes light up the way that I've seen so many others light up after God has filled them with the Holy Ghost. To see that aura of beauty and spirit as it begins to emanate from them. To see them when they come out of the waters of baptism say that they finally feel clean, that their spirit feels washed, they're different. Would you come? Would you come? There's room. There's room here at the front pews. There's room. There's room. Are you ready? Are you ready? Can you, 
You, you, you, can't, you, can't be, you can't leave this place tonight unless you are. Please, don't walk out of those doors unless you know that you're ready for the coming of the Lord. Don't walk in. This church needs to lift up their voices and pray. I, I, I don't know why I feel this way. I, I don't know. I just know that I feel something, something urgent within me this evening. Something very, very urgent. You need to lift up your voices in prayer. Pray for that person that is here or persons, if you would. They need to make themselves ready. Jesus is coming so soon. The urgency, I believe, is the hour. The urgency, I believe, is the knowledge that it could be any time. That regardless of setting the time, whether they're wrong in it, the fact is that people are thinking about it. And the fact they're thinking about it makes me know that people are unhappy with the condition of this world. And you need to be unhappy. Regardless of who's in government, regardless, this world is not going to last much longer. Everything, everybody in the world is looking to the United States. When our economy's in the tanks, theirs in the tanks. So everybody blames us. But you know, we're not God. Our country is not who's going to give you the answers. But Jesus Christ can and will give you the answer. Would you come? Would you come? Would you come? I want the singers to begin to sing. And I want you just I want you to step out. And not be afraid. Act on what you feel. Act on what you are you're feeling right now in your heart. Step out. Let Jesus make a difference in your life.